Hello? Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Kid Missing Radio. Today we're going to talk about Jamie Grissom. She went missing on December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day, 1971. We have her sister, Star Dawn Lara, here. Um, Can you go back to the day your sister disappeared and tell us about what happened that day? Sure. It was December 7th, 1971. It was a Tuesday, and we got ready for school. It was a very cold day, and we we sat at the little kitchen table for a while, and then she went out to catch the school bus. And about uh, 10 minutes later, she comes back in, and and I asked her why she was back, and she said it was really cold out, and so she had to come back in for a while. And then she said, be sure and tell Grace, our foster mother, that I'm walking home from school. And I get out early because I only have two classes. So it was early release for her. And she said I should be home about 1 or one thirty. She had like a three-mile walk. Ooh. And, yeah, and she went in and checked on our foster mother to see how she was doing. And then, you know, she reminded me again to tell her that she would be walking home from school and what time she'd be home. And that's the last time I ever saw her. And, yeah, so I just remember that afternoon, you know, I got home from school about 3.30 because I was in what was called junior high. And, you know, I noticed she wasn't there, and I asked where Jamie was, and our foster mother, Grace, said, well, she hasn't come home from school yet. And I said, well, right away I said, something's wrong because she should have been home by now. She told me she'd be home like 1 or one thirty. And, you know, I just remember she never came home and I was. it got colder and darker and, you know, I kept staring out the picture window from the direction she would have been walking and hoping I would see her. But in my heart, I knew that day something really bad had happened. And, so how long uh, so did your foster mother report her missing at that point? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. And uh, her caseworker, who knew, she was my caseworker, too, since we were, like, 12. She knew right away something was wrong. And she went down to the police station that night and filled out some sort of report. Uh, It wasn't a missing persons report because back then they actually had to wait 30 days. If you can imagine, a child's missing and you have to wait 30 days. Any any child, yeah, 30 days. Wowie! Yeah. I've heard of 24, 48 hours, but 30 days is a little ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It, for any child above 12, I think it was, oh. you had to wait 30 days. So, you know, that's way too long. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was. that's how it went. And, you know, I, the next day, I, you know, I went to school. I kept calling home and you know, asking if there was any word, and there, of course, hadn't been a word, any word. We never heard from her since then. Um, yeah, I called all her friends. Nobody had seen or heard anything since she went to school. And, uh, yeah, and five months 
six months after she did, well, it was five months, in May of 1972, her belongings were found up in a remote area of northeast Clark County on Dole Valley Road. And this particular road was... Can I interrupt you just for a second? Mm-hmm. I just want everybody to know this is Vancouver, Washington, since I didn't say it in the beginning. <laughs> just so yeah, they know where okay. Yeah. And Dole Valley Road is outside of... Vancouver, Washington, up in a remote area. It's still remote today. It's like 50 miles out of Battleground, Washington, near Yakult, Washington. So it was like about probably 40 miles from where we lived. And they found her belongings. Um, And then at that point, they knew something had happened to her. And they found two girls' remains up there in um, 1974. And so Janie's belongings were found on the road that led to a trail to these girls' remains. Right, they were under a bridge crossing, right? I'm sorry, what? They were found under a bridge crossing, right? Um, Near a bridge crossing, Jane's yeah. belongings and and the girls they were like on a logging trail up from that, so it's still remote even today. There's just not a lot of people on that road. That you know, there's one family, the Matsons, they own a lot of property on that road. And I talked to the man who was just a boy at the time. You know that he and his mother found her belongings, and you know I'm thankful for that because it led to her case still being open today and her being linked to this man, Warren Forrest, who they believe killed her. They believe uh, the Clark County sheriffs in Vancouver believe that Jamie was his first victim. And I hold out hope that he's, in fact, going to be charged this year. There's some evidence that came forward and... uh, He's most likely going to be charged later this year on her murder and some others because those two girls they found in 74, the one girl remained unidentified all these years until just last year through DNA. Yes. I ask you about that. That was Martha Morris. Yes, exactly. They and lost that was... her remains. Uh-huh. The lost remains, yeah, and... I had, it it was quite the deal for me because I had held out hope for years that possibly it could be Jamie, even though I know the police ruled it out because Jamie was missing a number 15 tooth, according to some dental notes. But I thought, well, they could be wrong, you know. Mm -hmm. And I wanted her identified through DNA. And I kept pressing the detectives at the time to... uh, identify her because I assumed she had been buried, you know. And I didn't get a response and I was talking to my friends about it and they said, you need to press him to have her remains dug up. And so I, I kept pressing him and he finally responded, well, there are no remains. And I said, what do you mean there are no remains? And he said, well, they lost them. Right, and a local newsman, I was watching the story, he helped you. He helped me a lot, Dan Pilkin of um, 
at the time he was I believe was still with Channel Two of her area, but now he's on Channel Six. He helped me a lot, and uh, because he led me to Dr. Clyde Snow. Because what happened was the police said, well, we don't have them. We sent them to the medical examiner. I contact the medical examiner. She says, well, we don't have them. We sent them to Dr. Clyde Snow. So the reporter helped me get the phone number for Dr. Clyde Snow. He's a famous forensic anthropologist, and he's in his 80s, and he kept absolutely meticulous records. And he remembered this girl, and he distinctly remembered her because they wanted him to do a facial reconstruction, but she was missing her lower jaw. And he said, give me a week or so and we'll find the records. And they found the records that showed that he had FedExed them back to the medical examiner's office. So when they got that letter, a copy of that letter that he emailed me, I contacted the medical examiner and I I showed it to her and she said, okay, she said, then we must have it somewhere. She said, give me a couple of months. Because prior to that, I have to say, she told me it was none of my business. Oh, Absolutely, it was none of my business. And, you know, I think I remained pretty calm, but I was very upset because I said, it is my business because whoever killed her killed my sister. And I know what it's like to wonder all those years what happened to your family. And I said, her family is agonizing over what happened to her. So, yeah, it is my business. So they found her remains, and they did DNA. They had to dig up her father, who had just passed not that long ago, maybe a year. And they finally identified her after all these years. And, you know, the reporter remembers how I fought to help get her identified. So he was pretty surprised, too, when the medical examiner came out and said what she said, that it was, that you know, she took all the credits, and it's like, yeah, okay. Not that I wanted credit, but it was a little, a little yeah. shocking because she wasn't nice when I was trying to find that girl. Doesn't sound like it. Yeah. So anyway, it's all turned out good, and the sister now knows what happened. The parents, unfortunately, have passed. And, you know, the possible... What's that? I said it's a good thing at least the sister knows. Yeah, exactly. The sister knows, and... And so now they can bury her and she can be at peace. And that that's what I want for my sister, you know. And yes. and the fact that she's identified now helps, too, that, uh, because Warren Forrest is suspected in her murder, too. And I'm hoping that now that she's identified that he can be charged. And But in any case, she can lay her sister to rest. And, you know, that's that's what I want. I want two things for my sister, justice and to lay her to rest. You know? And the more murders he gets charged with, he won't get out of jail. He's back up for probably right. in 2017. Exactly. So we can't let this man get out of jail. No, and I'm just really tired of him thinking that he can. I want him convicted of one more murder at least so he never has the slightest hope that he will ever get out. 
That's what, I want him to feel that and know that, you know? Um, I'd like to give out the phone numbers. The Clark County, Washington Sheriff's Department, if you have any information in this case, is 360-397-2024. And STAR also works with the Q Center for the Missing, and their 24-hour hotline is 910-232-1687. And your sister had dermographia. She also wore very unique tennis shoes with peas, Mm -hmm. love, flowers all over them. Yeah. Yeah, she was quite the artist actually. She she was very good at drawing and she oh, had so five hundred herself. Yeah, she decorated them herself, yeah. Cool. Mhm. Yeah, I can remember everything she wore that day. She had on blue jeans, those shoes, um, a red and white vertical striped um I mean, excuse me. Well, the one that goes around. <laughs> I guess that's horizontal stripes. Yeah. Um, yeah, she had a horizontal stripe blouse on red and white. Yeah, striped and, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I know there was another girl, um, unidentified, that you were looking to get DNA to check against your sister. They called her mm-hmm. Annie Doe. Have they yeah. done that yet? Yeah, they did that. That's the first time I met Dan Chilkin. I think they did that in 2006, and I got the results in early, well, no, it was still in 2006, so maybe it was February of 2006 I got the results of that. And it wasn't her, and they still don't know who that girl is either. So there's another girl that they don't know who she is. Yes. But um, they do have her DNA now. Well, that's good. Now, on your website, which is, Mm -hmm. uh, I should have written it down. Can you tell us your website? Find yes, Jamie it's, Graham, right? Uh, it's uh, actually it's just her first and last name, oh, Jamie, J A M I E, and then her last name G R I S S I M as in Mary. dot yeah. com, and that the Q Center, Linda at the Q Center there, she, she made it, and it's a beautiful site, and I hope people can go on there and light a candle for her and. Read her story. Absolutely. It's a wonderful site. I noticed that your site is closely linked with that of Karen Killaby. Yes. Um, Carolyn Killaby, uh, her sister Susan Shepard, reached out to me back in probably 2002, the first time Jamie's story ever went public in any way. It was on, on a on the Oregonian uh, newspaper, and Margie Boulay did an an in-depth article about it, and Susan Shepard contacted me, and she's stayed friends with me ever since. She's been, she is partly how I gather my strength, a large part of how I gather my strength, because, you know, she reached out to me. 
her sister Carolyn Killaby was murdered in Vancouver and was never found. And we have just had some amazing coincidences. The prosecutor that prosecuted Warren Forrest, he is also the one that prosecuted uh, her sister's killer, Dennis Smith. And they were both... Not yeah, easy. they never found the body, and it was, and it's believed to be buried not far from where my sister's is. Um, evidently, it's a popular area because it's so remote. And yeah, and it was weird because they were also the two killers were both in the same prison too. So it's like we just her sister was actually murdered on my sister's birthday. Oh, wow. And, yeah, isn't that odd? Just, we just have these odd coincidences, you know? And it's it's just nice to have her in my life. And yeah. I hope I her sister can be found, too, someday. Yeah. Warren Forrest was convicted of murdering Kay Leggy, age 19. But they believe... Oh murdered at least eight more victims, and he's admitted mm-hmm. to about eight rapes besides... Yeah, he's actually, uh, in 2013, he came out with a list of victims, and he admitted to, um, you know, uh, harming them. He wouldn't admit murder, but um, there there were at least eight girls that he mentioned, more like 12. So there's, there's even probably more than the police know. There usually are. Yeah, yeah. But like you know, I always call him the luckiest serial killer because he went all these years from the 1970s to the early 2000s before anybody in Vancouver, which was relatively a small community, even knew of him. You know, it's like, how do you get away with killing so many girls? You know. And nobody even knew about it, you know. And so all those families, all these years, they they've waited for justice. Yeah. You know. And, and what an injustice to Kay Lake if they let him out of jail. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. He would go right back to it. He would so oh, go absolutely. right back to it because when he thought he might get released in 2014, he actually for the first time had a complaint from the Department of Corrections female workers. They were saying he was looking at them and very creepily. So he was already fantasizing, you know, about what he would do when he got out, you know? And he really thought he'd get out. He sent a friend, you know, I won't say her name, but he actually sent her a Christmas card that that December 13th of 2013 saying he expected to be out soon, you know? And that's the kind of stuff that's just really upsetting. Yeah, it is. I don't want him to... He has no remorse at all. No, he's like a narcissist or something. Because he just thinks that he just go on and... Like, yeah, you can show all these girls. And, oh, yeah. it happened so long ago, he says, and I'm a different person now. Well, 
Mm-hmm. I don't believe it that he's different, nope. but I don't care how long ago it happened. You don't you don't forget certain things, you know. No. And murder is one of them, and there's no statute of limitations either. Nope. And so, yeah, he's not going to get out. You know, there's too many people that will make sure of that. So they're going to try him for Jamie's murder without a body. Oh yeah, I mean it's ha- it, it's possible, and that's I have I've been told that it's most likely, and especially with some of the evidence that's come out in the last couple of years, which I can't really say too much about, but um, yeah, you know if you've ever heard of that case, the disappearance of the girl at the Dairy Queen, uh, she was a lot like. My sister, in the sense that she disappeared, she um, nobody knew where her remains were for over 23 years, and it took one intern, detective intern, to go through the files and realize that you know there was somebody that could possibly help, and she went and interviewed her two classmates, friends and found out where she had gone that day. And she had gone to the Dairy Queen to meet meet her um, boyfriend's father. And yes, after, I know the story. Yeah, yeah, and he was convicted of her murder yeah. without even the remains. It wasn't until after he was convicted and he realized he wasn't going to get any more attention that he finally admitted to where her remains were. And they went with a backhoe, a farmer's backhoe, and dug it up for, dug around for eight hours. They were just about to give up when um, one detective said, "No, wait a minute! I remember the psychic saying she was buried by the river." And with a couple of more digs of the backhoe, they found her remains. And it was like a time capsule. They had her cassette tapes there that were really popular in the early '80s to record cassettes and. Her jewelry her and everything. Yes, in her pocketbook. Yeah. Yeah, and I believe something like that will happen for Jamie, too. And I know it's it's very possible to convict without Are they going to search that same now. area again? Yeah, well, I'm hoping now that we have a new head of major crimes, I hope, because there is a search dog team that's willing to do it. Um, but we just need the police to request it. And it happened back in 2009. They did a search out there. And, um, you know, we could do another one if I can get the police to request it. And I think with the new head of major crimes, that's going to be possible. So that's something I need to remember to ask him about. That would be great. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they test your sister's belongings now for stuff to tie it to him. You know, they didn't have yeah. the knowledge back then, you know. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, I know you well, details because this is an ongoing investigation and an ongoing prosecution. But mm-hmm. I can say that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, there's hope. I'll just be happy if he can get one more murder conviction so he can, you know. Yeah, then he won't, he won't have parole then, right? Yeah, no hope for parole. Not even a parole hearing. Yeah. 
So that that would be great because you know I mean I went to the last parole hearing, and for him he thinks it's oh so long ago. But Krista Blake's the one he was convicted of murdering. Her sister was there and read a letter that Krista Blake's son wrote. What it was like to grow up without his mother. You know she had a young baby. I don't know. I think. He was a little over a year old at the time Warren murdered her, you know. So he had to grow up without his mother. Um, It doesn't end for them, you know. It'll never end. And so his sentence should never end. No, so why should his? Yeah. So, and I believe somebody knows something that could help. I, I do believe that, and... You know, uh, as long as we keep his uh, story out there and Jamie's story, there's hope that she could be found or, you know, that he finally gets convicted on some of these murders. I'm friends on Facebook with one uh, gal that went to our... He's suspected of killing one of our classmates, too, Uh, Gloria Knutson. And she was to graduate just three days before she had gone to the um, rehearsal for the graduation. She was so excited. She was graduating from high school. And then the graduation came and she wasn't there. And that's because he killed her, you know. And so her class... How old was this man at the time? He, when he started killing, he was like 21, 22. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, he grew up in our neighborhood, too. He grew up less than two miles from us. You know, we walked past his house so many times when we were kids. We didn't have a clue that, you know, there was a serial killer living there. Actually, he had moved, you know, by the time he started killing, he had moved, but his parents still lived there, and he was there, I'm sure, a lot. And, yeah... And he had no criminal record. There was no reason the police would have suspected him initially, you know. That's enough to give they you chills. Even... Isn't it? Yeah, it's just totally enough to give you the chill. Yeah, and so he, without DNA, he he couldn't have been caught back then. They didn't have DNA, so it was like they had no way of suspecting him. It wasn't Especially until... when he got... 30 days to do what he wanted with his victim before anybody even looked for him. Yeah, exactly. That too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he um, he got away with a lot back then. It wouldn't happen now, I don't think. No. And I'm we sure have instant media. And seriously, back then, because she was a foster child, so they just probably figured mm-hmm. she ran away? Yeah, I mean, that was their attitude, you know, because... Oh, you know, they had this stigma with foster children. They must have yeah. been bad. But, you know, we were only three and four when it was more like our parents were negligent is why we ended up there. But people just assume when they hear that word that, oh, they must have done something wrong, you know. And so that's no, why they didn't take them. Yeah. And then there was nobody to fight for her, you know. And they yeah. know, they didn't tell me the truth. When I, because I was only like fourteen, and so nobody told me the truth that um, I didn't find out actually about her belongings until 
I was 19. They thought it was better not to tell me the truth about what they thought happened to us. You know? So. So, did they ever talk to your biological parents just to see if they knew anything? Oh, at the time, um, no, because they didn't know where they were. And later on, um, my mother didn't even know, you know, where her 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 children were at the time, but they didn't know anything, you know. Did Grace end up adopting you? Uh, no, no, she passed. Well, she might have, but she, she passed away, and no. Yeah. Um, we've got about a minute and a half left, so. Whatever you'd like to say to Jamie, wherever she is, and whatever you'd like to say to Warren Forrest, go for it. The floor is yours. Okay. Jamie, I just want to say to you that I will fight for justice for you and fight to find your remains, and I won't let it go until one or both happen because I know you would do the same for me. You were the best big sister, and I will never forget what happened to you, and I will never forget you. And Warren Forrest, if you think that people will forget, well, then you didn't know me and you didn't know my sister because we both would never forget what you have done. So just be rest assured that you will get charged on another murder. And I hope you hear this. Thank you so much. Thank you. I I appreciate you uh, coming on here to talk about your sister. I know for everyone who comes on here, difficult, and I so thank you for that. I thank everyone for listening. Um, Thank thank you, you. Angela. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. You too.